Welcome to Locked On NFL, your daily podcast on the National Football League on the number one daily sports podcast network. Happy Monday, everybody. Today's episode of Locked On NFL is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, you'll get $10 off your first order of Built Bars. Okay, Matt, we've got a little bit in the news section here that is worth talking about. Um, and actually, this one I just, I had totally forgotten about it, it just popped up, we hadn't even talked about this. Did you see the the note about Justin Ross, wide receiver for Clemson, that he's going to be out for the season. He's going to miss the entire year. Uh, there oh, was wow. A, there was a diagnosis about, and we get heavily into the draft. That's why this one popped up, because I was like, okay, that's, a, that's, that's he's always been since he showed up at, at campus at Clemson. He's like, this is a future first-round NFL wide receiver, Justin Ross. And, and a lot of people thought he was even more talented than a T. Higgins for Clemson last year at wide receiver and he's been doing big things since he was a, a freshman he was going to be j- draft eligible for the first time after his junior year coming up in the 2021 class but now he will not play and I don't know if he will still try to declare for the 2021 draft but um, yeah his future football career in jeopardy there are two abnormal uh, like spinal it's a spinal neck injury so he has to have fusion surgery and so that's a pretty big deal and it's ended some players football careers yeah that's rough it's it's absolutely the first i'm hearing this all i know about the player is he's on nearly the top of all the lists for next year we know about the clemson wide receiver pipeline which is utterly amazing it's now up to like seven or eight studs coming out of there and it looked like he was the next of them I mean, I sort of remember him from, you know, the uh, the playoffs and those type of things, you know, a little bit of Clemson here and there, but I was watching the draft eligible guys a lot closer. But man, I mean, I hate playing doctor on this podcast, but you hear neck and spine and all I can think of is every doctor in Indianapolis at the combine, you know, really giving them the, the once over and saying, ooh, that, that's not good. But I guess on the other hand, Mike Williams smashed his neck into a goalpost a couple of years ago at Clemson and is doing fine. Who knows? And last year it was DK Metcalf. That was maybe part of the reason why oh, yeah. he fell a little bit further in the 2019 draft. There was a neck injury with him. Turns out he's okay doing big things right now for the Seahawks. So it's not a, it, I mean, and every injury is different, right? And like you said, playing doctor, it's tough for me to, to comment on how bad this injury is, but he's missing a full season. So it's not nothing. No, it's not nothing, and we're not draft experts here, and I know you pay a lot of attention to it, which is awesome. Um, we are an NFL podcast, but I definitely want to make those type of notes, too. As the, as the college season goes along, the big-name draft guys, I want our listeners to be in the loop with them. Um, I'm going to spring a little news on you that I forgot I wanted to bring up before, that if you're done with the Ross conversation, I got yeah. one for you I think is really interesting. Oh, yeah, lay it on me. I like this. Do you remember... Michael Turk, he was the punter out of Arizona State in this last draft. Big, strong, strapping guy. I think his his dad was a punter, and most thought he was the best punter in this class. Not that I did punter evals, but he went undrafted. Although he signed with an agent, the NCAA just allowed him to go back to Arizona State this year. I think that's really interesting. Whoa, that's a first. I did not yeah. see that news. Okay. That is a first. And I just wonder, 
okay, I mean, if he would have got drafted, he would be on his team he's going drafted to. Fine. And they're citing the coronavirus as a reason he could go back. And my hunch is just knowing how NFL teams work, especially with a punter, like you would love to bring that guy in your building or watch him really work out, have your special teams coach right next to him, especially if you're going to sign him as an undrafted free agent, which I bet he probably, again, a total speculation, but I bet he had 10 teams asking him to come to camp. He didn't get drafted, but I bet a bunch of the conversations went like this, like, Michael, we loved you. You had a great leg. Your tape is phenomenal, but we didn't get to see enough of you live. We didn't get you in the building on a pre, you know, pre-workout visit. So we'd like you to come to camp, but we couldn't quite draft you. And I bet Michael was like, "Well, maybe I got shortchanged. I'm going to petition the league to say maybe I can go back." And why I find it's interesting, not because he's a, pun- I mean, punters aren't that interesting, but. Could players do this in the future is the is the conversation yeah. I kind of wanted to have with you. Like, let's say I'm an underclassman and I think I'm going to be a third, fourth round pick. I don't get picked. I decide to decline all the offers to go to camp. I could say, hey, last year Michael did it. Why can't I go back? If I'm any player that went undrafted in this draft, I'm for sure petitioning now because that's, yeah. uh, even if I signed with the team, I'd be still trying because um, going back to school and giving another shot at it after you go undrafted, if you if it, it, obviously the NCAA saw it a certain way with at least one player, I don't know why it'd be any different from any other player that went undrafted in this process. Just because so, you're a punter, you're not special. Right, you know? yeah. In fact, a lot of punters don't get drafted anyway, so I think it's even more impactful for some other players maybe that didn't have a chance to work out and show what they were what they were worth and should have been able to have the opportunity to go back to school. So that's a, that's a very interesting one. I think it opens up a huge can of worms in the future too, just, you know, for, for any prospect, but I have to imagine there's a bunch of agents and uh, prospects. Eyebrows were raised once that was allowed. Cause that's the first time I've ever heard of anything like that happening. It is the first time it happened. I think I'm, I'm almost positive. 99% sure. You said he did sign and with an agent too, right? He signed with an agent okay. and you know, I guess there's a couple layers to that, though, too. Like, I mean, every team would – a draft-eligible guy that's a near draft pick, they're always going to say, come on back. But they have to have a scholarship waiting for you. You know, like when I was at Pitt and Akron, okay, we lost 18 scholarship guys this year. We're going to give them to 17-year-olds that will be on campus next year. You don't have extra scholarships laying around. You know, maybe he'd yeah. pay his way to go back to Arizona State next year if that was the case, if they didn't have one for him. There's probably a punter behind him waiting on a scholarship going, hey, man, I've been paying my way for all these years and I'm next. I mean, you're kind of screwing that poor kid and his family. And I also thought about it like, well, I mean, I I don't know. I mean, it just seems like a a massive can of worms to me. Like, uh, well, I'm a quarterback and I didn't get to throw for teams. You know, why can't I go back? And, you know, it just seems crazy. Yeah, every undrafted player should have that same argument and be able to uh, to be able to go back if they didn't sign. I mean, and a lot of them are probably like, dang, I wish I wouldn't have already signed a contract if that's right, the right. case. And, and, and the other layer, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Yeah, the no. other layer I thought about it, too, was in some way, Turk has probably made some kind of money. You know, like often you sign with an agent. They put you up for a couple months. They let you they feed you. They put you to the you know, facilities to work out before you get drafted. Like you're getting some kind of compensation. 
how did the NCAA look at that? That's a great point. Yeah, um, it's a huge can of worms. I'm very interested to see how this turns out. And I have to imagine there's going to be more players now petitioning and we'll see if any more get allowed to go back to school. Yeah, I thought that was interesting, though. Have you seen that? Because we talked about it last week that uh, that teams and coaching staffs are being permitted to go back to the office as of last Friday. But the 49ers are the only team, Santa Clara County, still not allowing that to happen. So uh, the Niners are at a little bit of a disadvantage. And I don't know how far behind Santa Clara County is if it's, you know, in the next 10 days or so. I have a feeling that they will be allowed to go back. But if not, and if this lingers into July, there's a big question for the league because I don't think it's a huge deal as far as coaches being in the office. And the 49ers have seemed to do a pretty good job throughout this whole process of, of working from home. So I don't think it's a huge deal and a massive advantage for other teams right now. I'm sure the, the 49ers staff would love to go back to the office, but once it comes to players showing up, I think that is a huge disadvantage and this might put a kibosh on some of the the momentum with the league and starting mini camps if they wanted to try to do that early before camp too because if one team can't go camping, they've either, either got to do it somewhere else or no teams are going to be able to go. Yeah, again, that's new news to me as we're on the air, but a little surprising in that the NFL has really preached that – all teams need to be equal with the rules. You know, like if one team can't go back, we're not all going back. If one team can't have camp, we're not going to do camp. Well, it sounds like one is not like the others. And again, it's probably small potatoes, like you said, for this stage. But they're behind the eight ball like every other team trying to catch up. And most years would be further along with their installments, their coaching, all these different things, the changes they made from last year. So I would think if this goes on much longer, Either maybe they'll make a deal with the Niners. Hey, why don't you guys take your staff half an hour down the road or whatever and get a meeting room and we'll pay for it. I don't know. I'm totally making stuff up. Or, hey, I mean, it, we can't have one like the other. Unlike the others is like is my, my whole point. Yeah, and the league has preached that about, about having yeah. everybody on equal footing when it comes to that. And this is probably not a huge deal. And the league has mentioned that they knew about that and they're working on it and working with officials to try to make it happen or the 49ers, but uh, yeah, they're the last team and it could get dicey once player, they want players to get back into buildings. That That's when it'll really put the kibosh on things. We've got some more notes I want to get to coming up. Um, the Denver Broncos, they did a protest of their own as a team, which I thought was interesting. Drew Locke has been throwing to rookie first rounder Jerry Judy. Some teams trying to coax Kyle Long out of retirement. Uh, some notes on... A question, actually, from a listener about Colin Kaepernick and the Baltimore Ravens, so a lot to get into coming up on Locked On NFL. Have you heard about Built Bar yet? You should have if you listen to this podcast. Built Bar is a tasty treat. It is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. There is 16 fantastic flavors. There's flavors with nuts, flavors without nuts. If you have a nut-free diet, all covered in 100% chocolate Built Bar is great for everyone, but especially for those health-conscious folks out there, you can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. These bars are low in calories, low in sugar, but high in protein and high in fiber. I always talk about my favorite flavor, which is the peanut butter flavor. 20 grams of protein in that one, only 170 calories, 3 grams of sugar. Some flavors, like mint brownie, only 110 calories, 15 grams of protein. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, you'll get $10 off your first order there. Again, promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. 
So the Denver Broncos did a little march through Denver as a team, a peaceful march showing solidarity. Uh, But there was another story with the Broncos that stood out to me as far as players getting together and getting on the field. And I haven't heard a lot about rookies working out with their teams throughout all of this process. But uh, at, at some field, I don't know if it was a high school field, a junior college field, somewhere in the Denver area, Broncos quarterback Drew Locke has been throwing daily to first round wide receiver Jerry Judy for a little while. And that's pretty important for and I think Jerry Judy is one of the most ready to go receivers in this class. And I think that will help him as compared to some other rookie wide receivers in this really uh, this really rough preseason and offseason for rookies as we head toward their first season in 2020. Then most of them haven't, you know, most of them will show up and, and get their first work and get their first passes from their quarterback on the first day of training camp. That's usually not the case, but and that will not be the case with Drew Locke and Jerry Judy. Yeah, a lot, lot to talk about there. And first of all, good for the Broncos for having a peaceful march or whatever. I mean, I think that's great. I think that shows solidarity. I think that will be a team building experience for them. It's something they can all join together with and they haven't seen each other in a while and all that type of good stuff. Good. Um, I've been, I guess critical's the word, or at least questioned the the Broncos for just being so all in on lock in terms of why didn't you get a Josh McCown, let alone an Andy Dalton, you know, just somebody in case it doesn't work out. But by all reports, and I think this is just further proof of it, he really has his head on straight. He's doing all the right things, crossing all the T's as a you know, very, very young starter. So I think that's great. Um, Judy has a, a reputation. I mean, again, this is going off reputation as a really hard worker, and I'm sure he's probably instigating some of this as well, that he he's chomping at the bit to get out there. So that's cool. Um, and then the little cynic in me goes, well, why don't you invite KJ Hamler and his old buddy Albert O too? <laughs> uh, actually, there, there, there were some reports. There were some other people's involved, and I don't think it's been daily with everybody. But Philip okay. Lindsay and KJ Hamler were spotted were spotted participating. Not necessarily every day, but they have been involved too. So it's not just Judy and Locke, which is what the headline talks about. This is from Mike Cleese uh, in the Denver area, but it's. It's been mostly Judy and Locke every day. There have been some other players filtering in, though. So it seems like, yeah, Jerry Judy, one of those guys that wants to get to work, and Drew Locke is kind of running the show, which is a good sign, and it shows some leadership there by the young quarterback. Absolutely. I mean, that's my biggest takeaway is this guy's, you know, with a bunch of other youngsters is being the man and being the quarterback and doing all the right things, and we know the the pure talent is there and sort of a – Matthew Stafford like package, you know, which is a high, you know, high praise. And he's been an inconsistent player coming out of Missouri. But um, if he can get very professional attitude and work like, you know, workman like a- actions towards becoming the man, I think that's really promising. And I-, I think that offense has a chance to be pretty darn good. I, I'm buying stock in the Denver Broncos. I like what's happening right. over there. I'm yeah. a big fan of Vic Fangio. I'm glad he got a shot as a head coach. I have no worries about what the defense is going to do. And it seems like offensively, they're putting some weapons and some firepower on the field there. So really, it's however far Drew, Drew Locke can take that team is how far they can go. And so we'll see if he takes that big jump in year two. But I'm definitely buying stock in the Broncos. I like what's going on there for sure. Yeah, I do like the coaching staff. I like a lot of their offseason moves. I've kind of mentioned like, Melvin Gordon might be on my fantasy team. You know, I mean, I think that the defense with Chubb coming back is promising. You mentioned Fangio. I do like the staff. I got a kind of a soft spot in my heart for Munchak. I think he'll do good things with that offensive line. Tough division. And, you know, quarterback we've only seen five games of. But there's certainly the arrows pointing up. 
And by the way, when it comes to protests and a lot of stuff going on in the world right now, we're going to get deep into that conversation, I'm sure, tomorrow with the host of Locked On Saints, Ross yeah. Jackson and Drew Brees. And uh, there's there was new stuff every day last week with Drew Brees. I can't remember where we left off on Friday with him, but uh, I think the last tweet that he sent out was the really the the biggest one that I saw. And uh, he actually even tagged the president and and called him out for some divisiveness, which was um, which was quite surprising. So we'll get into all that stuff. We're not ignoring it. I want to talk with Ross about it because he's really plugged in there with the Saints and what's going on there with the Saints on the field going into 2020 and obviously everything else happening off the field. Yep, we'll talk plenty of football Saints stuff too, though. Oh yeah, Don't absolutely. They're they're no one of the most talented teams in the NFL. So uh, the the Saints are not going to be uh, missing in the headlines for the rest of the year. That's for sure. <laughs> no. How about Good this stuff. one? The New York Jets, according to the New York Daily News, have talked with. Kyle Long, former Bears offensive lineman that sort of retired early, and they've been talking with him, trying to coax him out of retirement, apparently. Uh, Kyle Long said that he has not yet been coaxed out of retirement, but there, I, I bet some other teams are probably calling him too and thinking, well, we could use a Kyle Long too. Let's give him a call. Maybe maybe he doesn't want to go to the Jets. Maybe he doesn't want to get out of retirement, but that would be a, a big infusion of talent for the Jets offensive line. Yeah, I remember about a year ago, they coaxed Khalil out of retirement to come play center yeah. for them. And, you know, mixed results, obviously. And, and at different times, I mean, this is a, a year down the road. But I, I would think if you're going to invest, if you're going to convince Kyle Long to come out, you'd have to be like, you can practice every other day in camp. You can take every Wednesday off. I mean, he's had a myriad of injuries that I'm sure are chronic to this point. And he's a tough guy. We know he's a good player. Everyone could use, you know, 85% of Kyle Long on game day, but I think you need to keep them together, you know, with duct tape and band-aids and, you know, don't, don't stress his body too much, but I give the Jets credit, you know, because I think Joe Douglas, who's I think a former offensive lineman, he's some sort of lineman. He's a big hulking dude. I've met him. He's a good guy. Um, I think much like the bills a year ago, remember the bills brought in like eight different offensive linemen last off season. Yeah. I feel like that's what the Jets are doing. I mean, that they went after some big name guys. I think they came in second on a couple of them. And so they're kind of bringing in the quantity over quality method, along with Makai Becton in the first round. Like, I feel like they are very determined to build an offensive line by any means necessary. And I think that's exactly what you want to hear if you're a Jets fan, especially if you're Sam Darnold. Yeah, sort of like the Broncos, I'm high on Joe Douglas and what's going on there with the Jets in the front office. Not as much as far as the coaching staff. We'll see how, how that season goes. And, and maybe because yeah. Joe Douglas didn't hire Adam Gase. Uh, I've never been a big fan of Greg Williams. Um, I, I've called him a fraud before. Uh, yeah, don't yeah. mix words when it comes to him. So <laughs> not my favorite coaching staff, but I do like the direction they're going. And it starts with Joe Douglas there. And who knows, maybe that's one of those teams that has a rough go early in the season. Loses a few games, they fire their coach, and it could be you know him having his own opportunity to hire his own head coach next offseason. I do believe in Sam Darnold still, and I think he could possibly save Adam Gase's job, and they could have a nice season there. So I, that could go in a number of ways, but stock up on Joe Douglas. Yeah, and I'm a, a big Darnold believer, and I think if the line is average, I mean, I think you'd take an average 16th NFL line out of 32 that all of a sudden Lev Bell might start to look a little more like Lev Bell, although I think his best days are behind him. I think Chris Herndon is a legit breakout guy. There's like five or six tight ends that are kind of 
young up and coming, and he's one of my favorites of that group. And their three receivers aren't too bad. I mean, there's no, you know, number one stud guy in the passing game, but those five being on the field together should give Darnold about enough. Notes on the Patriots, Packers, Ravens, Colin Kaepernick coming up in the final segment, Locked On NFL. Matt, you did some work for Yard Barker this week, and I saw uh, some notes on the Packers and the Patriots. There was a note. We mentioned how Drew Locke was throwing with uh, Jerry Judy on the side and some other receivers there in Denver. And Patriots second-year quarterback Jared Stidham has been working out with Julian Edelman regularly in Massachusetts, according to reports. What are your thoughts there on this new-look New England Patriots team going into 2020? Yeah, and what I did is I, I do basically like two videos a week for Yard Barker, and I put them on my Twitter timeline. Go check them out. That'll lay it out in a little bit more detail. They're like three minutes each, and me in my basement right where I'm sitting now talking to you. Um, and I'm a Stidham guy, but and certainly I'm a Belichick guy. I mean, that's how I started the conversations. I'm a believer in Stidham and Stidham, and wow, am I a believer in Belichick? But and I like to hear that he's throwing with Edelman and all those things, but. Man, I mean, that formula, even that they played last year without a, you know, highly professional Hall of Fame quarterback winning with defense against a slate of poor offenses. I mean, I think they are certainly a massive regression candidate. I mean, they won 12 games last year. I I, I finished that video by saying if Belichick gets this roster to eight and eight, I'd be highly impressed. You know, I mean, are they going to? lead the league in my advanced turnover ratio, uh, you know, ratio again. I mean, are they going to play such an easy slate of offenses like they did last year? No. I mean, I just think that I've made, I've lost a lot of money betting on Belichick, you know, betting against Belichick, but I just don't see many cards in his hands right now. Yeah, it's tough. You you can't bet against Belichick, but I have a really hard time trying to decide, okay, is this going to be a a Matt Castle, Bill Belichick, New England Patriots type of a season in 2020, or are they going to end up with the number one pick in the draft and and select Trevor Lawrence? I I just have no idea where basically – I'm not going to bet against Belichick, but I'm not going to put my money on that roster and that team right now. As well as they play defensively, I think there's some regression there on the defensive side of the ball. You mentioned some favorable offenses that they played against. And uh, the offensive side of the ball, I I think it was rough for Brady what he had to work with. And I think you said it well there. It's going to be hard for a young quarterback like Stidham to have a really good season. If he can just have an average year and hold his head above water, that'd probably be enough to be, you know, at least an eight and eight team. Um, but we'll see. I, I'm I'm not betting against Belichick. That's for sure. I I just don't no. know how I can how you can really expect a ton. So uh, a very interesting team. Real you, quick, I mean, like even when they took Stidham, because I thought Stidham at Auburn was crippled by his offense and team. Like I really think in a different system, if it had been Oklahoma, I believe Stidham would have been a first round pick. And I even said that back then. You know, I liked him a lot. And when they took him, I said. Mm, Spidey sense is tingling. They know this guy's better than 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 they than most of us think. But he's only thrown five passes, I think, in the NFL. I mean, like, there's going to be a learning curve. This isn't even the Drew Locke situation where at least we've seen games and he knows what the speed of the game's like. And then a couple of my dorky stats, like, they had tremendous starting field position last year due to turnovers and special teams and things like that. 
that probably won't keep up, although they're pretty darn good at it. And then one that stands out to me that if you if you average out their 16 regular season games, when the, the whistle blew to end the first quarter, on average, they were leading by four points. I mean, that would be great for the rookie quarterback, but that ain't happening again. Darius Slayton, too, the, the wide receiver from Auburn last year. And it's like, what was going on Good with point. that Auburn yeah. offense with uh, with Stidham and Slayton? They should have been doing big things, and they were handcuffed a little bit. I think that's pretty clear. How much is the question? Yeah, right, right. And I think both those guys will have better pro careers than college, and we're already seeing it with Slayton. Green Bay Packers, you think that there's some regression there? They were the NFC Championship game losers to the 49ers last year. Uh, had a really good season. I, I thought maybe there's potential for Rodgers to play better in his second year with that coaching staff, but do you see it because of Rodgers regressing, or do you just see maybe they overperformed with some other talent that they had on their roster last year? Uh, kind of all the above, in that I think Rodgers has been not the Hall of Fame type guy. He's still a good quarterback. But I don't think he's been the great quarterback for several years now, to be very honest. And it pains me a little bit to say that because I'm, I'm a big fan. I think he's had a as good a career as pretty much any quarterback of all time. But they played a very easy slate of games last year. You know, they they killed in the turnover ratio you know, situation. They were plus 175 in penalty yards. And for a team that won 13 and three, they only averaged two more yards. I mean, they, they averaged they allowed two more 0.2 more yards than they gained per play, you know, and they were only plus 63 in point differential. And if you factor in the one score games, they probably should have been a lot closer to eight and eight than 13 and three. And just watching the eyeball test, like late last year, I said several times, I can't wait to bet against the Packers in the, in the postseason. And they end up, you know, beating Seattle narrowly in the first round. Although leading up to the postseason, I also said I can't wait to bet against Seattle too. So those are the two teams I wanted to bet against, and they happened to meet each other in Green Bay. And then I, you know, I'm sure you did too, picked the Niners to smear them, and they did. And I really think if you gave Mark Murphy and the whole staff true serum, they would say we're really an 8-8 eight and eight type of team. We're not knocking on the door of contending. Or they wouldn't have taken Jordan Love and possibly a number three running back for this year. I mean, they tell you what they think about him. We had a question from Joshua that I didn't get to last week. Staying in the NFC North, he wants to know who we think the best tight end in the NFC North is. I have a feeling I know who your answer is going to be, and it's the same as my answer. I don't know, because it's funny. I didn't know you were going to spring this on me. I mentioned with Herndon that I... And this is this goes back to my dynasty days. I always have an affinity for five, six, seven young up-and-coming tight ends. Jay Sternberger is absolutely one of them. Hawkinson I adored a year ago mm -hmm. and is uh, absolutely one of them. Irv Smith absolutely is one of them, and I think he's going to break out in a huge way and basically be their third wide receiver. Unfortunately, Bears, all, you have a dozen tight ends or so, and Cole Komet's fine. But I like those three's future an awful lot. I can't give Jimmy Graham the nod on this. I, I adore all three of those guys. Buy stock in all three of those tight ends. So I think it's a more difficult question than you might think. But I'll take the top 10 pick in Hawkinson. Yeah, yeah Hawkinson was my pick, and I thought that would be the way you would go. Looking back, obviously, it's Jimmy Graham. But going 
forward starting yeah. in 2020. I'll take Hawkinson all day there for sure. Yeah, I think he could be a star. That that offense has a chance to be pretty good too. Last one here from a listener. Tony says, why are the Ravens not signing cap to back up Lamar? Seems like the perfect fit for everyone. It kind of does. And I've kind of thought this for a while. And, you know, a coach that is very stable in terms of job security like Harbaugh makes more sense than somebody that doesn't have that kind of stability. But, I mean, I wrote articles a year after Cap was out of football saying, this guy is still one of the best 32 quarterbacks in the league. You know, I, I thought he really got the short end of the stick in terms of what kind of football player he is. But now it's just been so long, I don't know what I'm buying. I mean, off-field stuff aside, what have you been doing for the last couple of years? You know, it it would have to be like an incentive-laden contract or bring him to camp and he's not assured a starting spot. And then I guess my question to you, twofold. I mean, you're the Niners guy. I'm curious what you thought of him as a player. And is now a good environment to add him? I kind of feel like it is like team, you know, like the the world would pat you on the back for that right now. Right. And I think owners would be softening, softening up to that idea. As we've heard from the commissioner in his statement that he laid out there, Uh, essentially he didn't mention cap's name, but he essentially apologized for the cap situation is what it sounded like to me in that Roger Goodell statement from Friday. And they kind of hid that on the uh, going out for the weekend, late Friday news, but um, (laughs) It's the best fit. It's obviously the best fit. His old offensive coordinator from San Francisco and Greg Roman is there. The style they play, he could come in, learn it quickly, and would absolutely be a perfect backup for Lamar Jackson. So there's no question that's a great fit. And the Baltimore Ravens, uh, with with John Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh's brother, Jim giving um, giving some good words about Cap to his brother, and they had interest in the past in Kaepernick, and, and those that was it was the Seahawks and. The Baltimore Ravens, as best as I've been able to tell, were were two of the teams that were actually the closest to signing Kaepernick in 2017. And the the story that I remember from Baltimore was that they were talking about it, but they couldn't sign him because they wanted to go to ownership first, and they had to pass that through ownership. And um, Kaepernick's girlfriend, who is an East Coast radio personality, and, and she's very vocal about a lot of these things, and she went off on the owner on the the Ravens and the owners, and and I think that maybe just made them step back a little bit more, and they're like, yeah, this is this is too much, um, this is too much of a microscope to be under to sign a backup quarterback right now. So they took a step back, and so I think that was one of the teams where he almost signed with already. And it would just make too much sense if if Cap were to sign there. A lot of, a lot of people are saying that the Vikings should um, earn some goodwill and go sign Colin Kaepernick. But uh, I would not be surprised if he if he at minimum gets some tryouts with some teams, and then after that does get signed. And and who knows? It might be the 49ers that offer one of those tryouts, even though they've got three quarterbacks, just to just to help a, a guy out that they've they've really they've been behind Kaepernick as much as. And more than any team. They're the only team that's employed him since he kneeled. So, um, yeah, it's yeah. interesting. We'll see if Kaepernick does get his chance. It's a it's a long overdue chance if he does finally get it this offseason and the Baltimore Ravens would make as much sense as anybody. Yeah, and there is one more aspect of it in terms of, hey, it, it just put yourself inside a building right now. There's a lot of turmoil. We were just talking about how the Niners aren't even in their building yet. We have a long to-do list. We have a lot of things we have to talk to the media about. Do we want to add one more? And that that's not a 
prejudice against, you know, what he's done in the past thing. It's just like, it'd be the same as signing Tim Tebow. You know what I mean? Like we just don't have time for that right now. We got other things to do with our guys in the building. And and trust me, teams think that way to some regard too. Like uh, we don't need any more distractions. We don't have enough time to dedicate to that. When the media finally starts coming to training camp, we need to deal with what we got to deal with here. Yeah, I agree. I think a lot of teams just, if nothing else, wanted to avoid a circus. And so they didn't want to go down that path at all, even if they liked the quarterback and and liked the person that wanted to bring him in. So it's it's unfortunate. And uh, I think he will get a shot, though. I I, I wouldn't have thought that six months ago. Right now, I think Kaepernick will get a shot this offseason. I kind of do, too. With somebody. I hope so. I really hope so. Yeah, same. All right, that's it for today's program. Always great, Matt. Thanks, everybody, for continuing to get those questions into us. You can hit me at BD Peacock on Twitter. Matt is at Williamson NFL. We'll have a full Twitter Thursday show again this week. Some great guests coming up, including Ross Jackson, the host of Locked On Saints, Tuesday right here, Locked On NFL.